Welcome to the Highland Herald, a Final Fantasy podcast where we, two Final Fantasy obsessed brothers, discuss everything from Azura to Zell and all things in between. We are your hosts, Wolfkins and Soloist, the Brothers of Light. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode four of Highwind Herald. As usual, I am one of your hosts, Wolfkins, and I've got my brother here with me, Soloist. How are you doing today? I'm the other host. I'm Soloist. What's up? Not much with me, man. What's going on with you? Not a whole lot. Uh, not not a whole lot at all, dude. Not today, anyway. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if we can change that as we get into this episode. But I, before we get started, I do think that it is your week for the trivia question. Okay, um, I'm trying, this is something I think will be easy, but might be the first one to throw you off, so. Um, in Final Fantasy 1, who is the, what is the name of the first boss encounter? Oh, God, those people have names? Yeah. I, it's been years since I've played Final Fantasy 1. This is going to be one of those things you kind of kick yourself in the butt if you don't remember. I, I don't remember. The first is... It's one of two bosses in this game that the name actually really matters for. The only thing popping in my head right now is Matoya, and that's not right. Um, that's not right. Uh, Ganon? <laughs> Ganon? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I mean, cannot remember. You, I'll give you a hint. You got the first letter right. Garland? Yes, Garland. Ganon, Ganon's from, from uh, Zelda, isn't he? <laughs> yes, Ganon is from Garland. Zelda. <laughs> yes, welcome, to our, welcome to our Final Fantasy podcast, the series famous first antagonist, Ganondorf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, I haven't played Final Fantasy 1 in probably a decade. Well, the Garland that's in Final Fantasy 9 is heavily based on Final Fantasy 1's Garland. Right, right. I remember that now. Yeah. I remember that now. So, I, you know what? I'm going to say I got that. I got that. <laughs> okay. Then, well, so. well I'll, I'll count it. I'll be nice. right. It's just because I woke up about an hour ago, but I'll count it. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. All right. Well, as always, the, the trivia question and answer will be in our show notes. But, Soloist, what have you been up to this week in Final Fantasy? I, I, mine's been boring. So, mine's been the opposite of boring. So, for the past two weeks, I've been talking about Final Fantasy fourteen, but not actually playing it. But I've finally finally dives back in um i did a four and a half hour stream two days ago of it whoa yeah and i've started a level one lancer and got it to 27 and i'm highly thinking that it might take over my main spot really so it's gonna dethrone the ninja huh and the monk which was about to dethrone the ninja and the paladin which was also about to dethrone the ninja Wow. I was really liking the aesthetic of Dragoon, and I'm the gameplay so far is super simple because it's I don't have that many spells yet. I, I will say it stayed pretty simple at least into the fifties because that's where my Dragoon stopped. I really like the animations, the true thrust animation where you kind of uppercut with your lance. That's oh, really yeah. really cool. That was cool. Um, I just I'm really digging it and. Um, I've been having a lot of fun diving into that, and Final Fantasy XIV, I've been playing 
a lot of finally gotten back into it. So I haven't been doing any end game, but I, I will say if Stormblood had never happened, Dragoon would probably have remained my main as well. Uh, the problem being I hit 50 and unlocked my Red Mage and never looked back. So I, I think I got my Dragoon to like 52 maybe. And I liked it. I, I agree with everything you said. It, it's a really fun class, especially for a melee class, which isn't normally my cup of tea. But uh, yeah, if I had to pick a second, like a second job to level, that would probably be mine. So I, I think Dragoon's a good choice. Yeah, Dragoon's really fun. Um, I'm really, 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 really digging it. Um, this isn't really um, on. Well, this is on topic for 14, but I wanted to bring up something when I was talking to one of my friends on the stream the other day. Um, so you remember the other day when I said that I believe that the next, the, my most wanted two classes are going to be like Beastmaster and Geomancer. Yeah. Well, he told me he actually heard rumors that those were like leaked. I haven't seen any leaks. I, I had neither. Rumors, but... I, I mean, he's very enveloped in the Final Fantasy 14 world. And, um, he, have you, he said, he may have said rumors instead of leaks, but um, he also said the rumor with Beastmaster is that, to your suspicion, it would be a limited job. Yeah, that's what I would. With a class like that, the way they've kind of already opened the door with Blue Mage, I think that's the way they'd probably go. Which sucks, but whatever. I, I will say, and this will transition a little bit into you know what I spent my week doing, but you know, you say it sucks, but on one hand, it is it is nice that Final Fantasy fourteen provide so many different avenues to play this game. Because if you look at other MMOs like, wow, there's kind of just one path. But 14 really does give you a lot of other things that you could be doing. Hey, now, I will, I will counter-argue that with wow. You, there is a lot of stuff in that game you can be doing too, but there is 14 does it better. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> which brings me to what I spent my entire week doing. I have not left the gold saucer. So they've got the Make It Rain campaign going on. So all of the MGP that you make is, is uh, I think you get like what you would get plus 50% more. And I just haven't left. I've been playing games. I've been doing the gates. The gold saucer is what uh, like the Darkmoon Fair from WoW should be. It is, it is a lot of fun. And I haven't had to leave. I haven't leveled a, any alts. I haven't done a dungeon. I've just spent the entire week in there playing <laughs> games doing the lottery and just running around uh, playing triple triad. Oh, cool. Yeah. I haven't been in the gold saucer since I pretty much poked in to check it out. Well, I, I didn't really know what to do. And then when I finally figured it out, it's pretty fun. Like, and there's, there's a lot of cool things that you can get in there. Okay. Uh, you can get some mounts. Can't you and stuff? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to save up and get some, uh, you know, as uh, some of them are kind of expensive, so I'm working on getting enough MGP for those. Apparently, this was how you would have gotten the regalia if you'd been able to play during the 15 crossover event. Oh, I thought it was through completing the. Oh, really? So that's how you would have gotten it? Yeah, it was like 200,000 MGP or something like that. Well, I would have been in there grinding 24 7 for that. I want that mount so bad. Yeah, yeah, maybe they'll bring it back. I mean, they, they do bring back those events from time to time. They just recently redid the Final Fantasy XI event, so maybe they'll oh, do Oh, they one. redid the eleven event? Yeah, it was earlier this year. That's how I got my... I mean, it was the, the glamour that I had on forever. I think I sent you pictures of it. Yeah, it probably. Was a fun event. Yeah, it was yeah, a fun yeah. Event. 
But I think it was the third time they had run it or something like that. Well, they need to run the 15 one again because I want that mount and I will be happy in that mount forever and always. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool mount. All right. Well, uh, I just have a couple pieces of news I wanted to bring up there. This is going to be short and sweet before we really get into the meat of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, just a reminder, if you are into any of the mobile games, I'm not really into them myself. I've dabbled a little bit, but they have Halloween events going on across the board, across pretty much every Final Fantasy mobile title that they that they have out. So, I mean, if that's your cup of tea, if that's what you do, just make sure you pop in and, and don't miss your opportunity because those are going to be ending pretty soon. Uh, speaking of events, though, I thought this one would be of a particular interest to you, Soloist. I, I don't know how much you played Dissidia Opera Omnia, the one for the phone. I didn't really play it hardly at okay. all. Okay. <laughs> well, they're, they're having a Final Fantasy IX crossover event. It's live now as of this recording, and it goes until November 11th. So this event includes like new costumes you can get for Vivi and new Abyss events and things like that. So I just thought maybe if you've been on the fence about playing Dissidia, it, this might be the time for you to jump in and check it out. This would be what convinced me, yeah. Well, it's Absolutely. a fun one. Is it on... I wonder if it's on Steam. I don't think any of these are. I think these are mobile-only titles. I'm not sure. But I think Dissidia Opera Omnia is mobile-only. I'm pretty sure Brave Exvius is on here. But um, I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting on a sidetrack looking now. Well, if you find out, let us know. Yeah, I'll chime in. <laughs> the last piece of news I had, um, for those of you that are interested in the trading card game, the Final Fantasy trading card game annual 2018 to 2020 original illustration art book is now available for pre-order. So I'll put the links to that in the show notes. I know personally, I love the trading card game. I just don't really have the opportunity to play it, which makes me kind of sad. If they had an online version of it, I probably wouldn't thought stop playing it because I oh, really yeah. liked it too. If they had an online version similar to like uh, Magic Arena, that would be awesome. Mm, yeah, it but, would be great. Yeah, you and I are the only ones that have really played it, and my local game store doesn't really have a Steam for it. So, you know, I, I bought one of the original boosters when they came here, or the starter pack, and just since then I haven't really been able to play it, which is kind of a shame because I really did like, uh, I really did like that game. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. It was like everything I like about Pokemon and Magic put together. Because there's a lot of things I don't like about Magic and a lot of things I don't like about Pokemon. And, of course, it was Final Fantasy. So it was like... Yeah, that that, that helps, knowing most of the stuff. I, I just really enjoyed how it played. And, you know, maybe maybe one of these days we'll do an episode where we kind of dive into the card game and maybe we can pick it back up or figure out a way to play over over Discord or something like that because I would <laughs> like to try to play it again. That would be interesting. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what we can do. I mean, in the age of COVID, people are having to get more creative with what they can do online anyway. We'll get so. two of those little um, Yu-Gi-Oh! wrist things. Uh, you remember that? Oh, that's the perfect solution. Uh, that, that right there is what we need to do. You find, I know you have one from when you were yeah, younger. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it'll work for Final Fantasy because that's that thing's made for a Yu-Gi-Oh layout. <laughs> we'll we'll figure something out. That would be the best way to do this. I was mostly joking, but if you really think it's a oh, good no. idea, we'll this look into it. <laughs> this is a great idea. That'll make um, for an interesting video. <laughs> yeah, well, now we have to. We've kind of put it out in the world. Now we have to do it because people are hearing this right well, now. So. so someone fund us that. <laughs> yeah, if you can come up with a wrist thing that you made specifically for this game we will use it oh wow that would be that would be pretty dope <laughs> <laughs> uh 
All right, well, we're, we're getting ready to move on to the main discussion here, but there is actually one addendum I wanted to bring up um, from last week. So I don't want to spend too much time on this. But as I was as I was editing last week's episode, I realized that we kind of got sidetracked during the Final Fantasy VIII discussion with soloists complaining about the junction system that I actually didn't get to mention the, the final point I had about why Final Fantasy VIII was my favorite. So I just wanted to really quick, quick addendum to that. Oh, I, no. <laughs> We're back on this. Hold on. I don't think this is going to be controversial. I just wanted to put it out there for because it was a point I meant to make and really I didn't get to. And I don't think you'll disagree with this. But uh, one of the, the the final point I wanted to say about why I like Final Fantasy VIII so much is I think that it has the most robust and well thought out and integrated mini game in the whole franchise with Triple Triad. Because I could spend weeks just playing the card game in that, which just adds a little bit of replayability to me. So if you have a disagreement with that, then we can take that to another episode because I don't want to spend so much time on it. But it also brought me to a point that I actually wanted to bring up because I, I remembered you had mentioned you might start streaming eight. And it reminded me of a, of a little tip to give you in that I remember one of your major complaints from last episode was how you don't like the draw system and how it feels like you're not actually playing the game when you're trying to build up your magic stores. Okay. Well, I just wanted to point out that, you know, whenever you're fighting things, they oftentimes will drop these cards. These cards can be uh, deconstructed into the magic. So that's another way to get them besides drawing. You can also do that with items. So whenever you do start streaming, just keep that in mind. So, you you know, you don't have to you don't have to draw out everything. You can always go through and, and mod some old cards down to the magic you might need. It, it might help you. It might help you when you're playing through to not hate the game as much well i don't think i ever hated the game as i said i i the only i only hate one final fantasy game you know hopefully that will help i did download it i did download it a couple days ago on steam right it's like ready to go um the only question i have is i already had final fantasy 8 for steam before the remaster came out and i wonder if it upgraded to the remaster or if i have to rebuy the remaster I would assume you have to rebuy it. I think they're two different games. That is like really stupid. Also, it's really funny and you're going to laugh at this because it's super ironic. But my Steam, I guess it's bugged out. Because I think Final Fantasy 8, you know how when you like launch a game on Steam, it'll show like a launch window to click play. Sure. Well, I guess for Final Fantasy 8 only, Steam counts that as gameplay hours. So, according to Steam, I have played Final Fantasy VIII for 157 hours. Jeez. (laughs) You got me beat. And and I've played Final Fantasy IX for five hours. Wow. (laughs) Impressive. That's so weird. Anyway, I wasn't trying to, like, bring up up past episodes. It's just I, I thought of that during the editing and wanted to just, you know, point it out for when you actually do do your, your playthrough on, on your stream, just so you could be like, okay, I'm, I'm sick of drawing. I can maybe do this. Just maybe help you out a little bit. Okay. Rock on. But with that, it brings us to today's main topic, something that is totally current and relevant as of today. <laughs> yeah, totally. Soloist and I are doing a retro review of the 2001 classic 
Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. This was, I guess, Square's first real attempt at making like a big budget movie with the Final Fantasy tagline on it. So before we get into this, I just want a yes, no answer from you, Soloist. Did you like this movie? I can't give you that answer. Oh, look, we're going to dive into it. We're going to dive into it in just a second. I just want to know which side of the fence are you on? Are you like... Are you like knife to my neck making me pick yes or no? I can't give another answer. Just for now. We'll get into the the minutiae here in a minute. I just want to know which way are you leaning? Like you're on the fence, obviously, but like which way are you leaning? I'm leaning towards no. Okay. Interesting. I, I actually do. And now we'll let's get you into the discussion. Lean towards no or yes? <laughs> I actually do like the movie. Okay. So this will be an interesting discussion, I think. Okay. I think so, too. This will be nowhere near as bad as last episode, by the way. I don't think so. I, I think that, well, we'll see. We'll see. By the end of this episode, we might not even talk to each other anymore. <laughs> so before okay. we get into it, I just want to give a quick overview and a warning that we're going to be talking about this movie. The movie's 19 years old. So the, the spoiler alert, just right here at the beginning, we will be spoiling this movie. We'll be talking about, you know, different parts of the movie. So if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. It's at least worth a watch, even if you're curious. But, uh, you know, here's your spoiler warning. And I just want to kind of give a quick overview of what the movie is about. So Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within takes place years into the future on the Earth that we currently live on. A meteor has come and crashed into this planet. And from this, there have been invisible phantoms that have emerged that are killing the population. They can kill you just by touching you as they essentially rip your soul from your body. Also, if small particles of them come in contact with you, they can burrow into your soul and basically cause a form of cancer. So essentially, we're talking about a post-apocalyptic Earth in this movie where all of the remaining civilization live in what they're called barrier cities. These cities that have been... uh, kind of domed off by this energy signature that opposes the phantoms and doesn't let them into it. Um, So basically the story is it's following Dr. Aki Ross as she is attempting to find eight different spirits. And these particular spirits have an energy waveform that is in direct opposition to the phantoms. So the idea is that once they complete their eight spirit waveform, they will be able to use this to kind of nullify the spirits. So that's kind of the basic gist of the movie. Did I miss anything, Soloist? No, I don't think you did. I think that's basically it. Okay. So with that, let's just kind of get into it. I'm curious, Soloist, what was your kind of overall impressions? Now you can be a little bit more than yes or no. I'm taking the knife away from your throat. There's just like a a thin layer of blood kind of trickling down. But, you know, I'll I'll toss you like a napkin. You can clean that up and then let's get to it. I kind of want to rebuttal my no because I'm very in the middle leaning more towards no for this movie. First of all, I couldn't imagine being a Final Fantasy fan in 20... Uh, 2001. I keep saying 2021. I couldn't imagine being a Final Fantasy fan in 2001 and going to the movie theater to finally see a Final Fantasy movie and seeing this movie. Because outside of Sid, and I think there was one other thing. Oh, the mention of Gaia. 
I don't see how this is a Final Fantasy movie in the slightest. Okay. I thought you would say that. And when I watched it previously, I kind of had the same thought. You know, it's Final Fantasy, it says, but what does it really have to do with Final Fantasy? There's no Chocobos. There's no Moogles. There's no other things, however, that you would you would associate with. Watching it again, though, I do kind of have a counterpoint. If you think about it, back in 2001, when this movie came out, and 2001 was right around the time Final Fantasy X had come out. So the past four Final Fantasies had been Final Fantasy VII, VIII, IX, and X. And I don't know if this came out before X or not. Of those four, Final Fantasy IX is kind of the outlier. And the fact that the others are kind of science fiction-y, and when I when I was watching through it this time, I noticed a lot of parallels between especially Final Fantasy VII and yeah, Final I Fantasy VIII. I mean, w- when you talk about New York, this this barrier city of New York, some of those shots look like they were ripped straight out of Final Fantasy VII's Midgar. There's a shot where it's kind of looking up and you can see the barrier, and it looks like you're looking up at the slums plates. And all of the soldiers are dressed like Galbadia soldiers. They look very similar to that from Final Fantasy VIII. So I, I see where you're coming from, and I don't disagree, because it, it doesn't really touch on any of the classic Final Fantasy elements. However, the feel of it is very similar to the Final Fantasies of the time. Um, yeah, well, that doesn't work for me, because you can take anything out of context and make it fit within the feel of Final Fantasy at the time, but that's not what Final Fantasy does. Final Fantasy, no matter how much you change the feel, rather you push it more towards science fiction, which was another thing on my list that was weird to me, because the others, you know, the most science fiction you get in eight, I, I'm getting off topic, but you can't just have something... Uh, seven's, seven's pretty science fiction, too. I mean, that's what, that was my point before. Seven and eight are both pretty science fiction they lean more into that than they do classic fantasy um you you can't have something just feel like current final fantasy like you can take anything out of context to make that true it would have been more understandable if maybe you know you'd seen some chocobos like they even made a point to show like a bird a living bird and they're like what's he doing here looking for living life why couldn't that have just been a chocobo on the ground you yeah, know? that's a good point. They could have used a chocobo for that, I, I suppose. They could have had moogles around the space station thingy. It just, there's a lot of things that feel like that current Final Fantasy, but I don't think that makes this Final Fantasy. I feel like what happened here is that they made a movie called Spirits Within, and they wanted to see if they would get more revenue by changing the dude's name to Sid and slapping the Final Fantasy name on there. I'm not saying that's what happened but that's a, what it feels like happened because it's it can be compared to 7. A 7 more than anything because the story is very similar to 7. The story, yeah. Go back to the Earth. I think that was inspired by 7. Well, not even that. There's a meteor that strikes the planet. Yeah. Everything, you know, there's the life force. There's the spirit of the planet. If we shoot this big beam into the, the meteor, it will kill the planet. I mean, it was... It, this was obviously a movie based in the vein of seven. Yeah. I think though, um, that's not enough for the final fantasy, especially for this to be the first final fantasy movie. I mean, granted when you make a movie of something, you can't just highlight what it's like at the time. Like for instance, the Sonic, the hedgehog movie finally came out in 2020. 
that Sonic the Hedgehog was more based on Sonic the Hedgehog of old than Sonic the Hedgehog of new because it wanted to just encompass the legacy. And I think if you're making a Final Fantasy movie, you need to encompass the legacy instead of just encompassing the current. And I don't even think it encompassed what current Final Fantasy was because, again, it's similar. The story is inspired by Seven. It just flat out has to be. Instead of being, um, you know, inspired by kind of, you know what I mean? It needs to be more Final Fantasy. It does. It feels like the story was inspired by Seven, and that's really the only connection you can make. Other than that, there were no tropes that made it a Final Fantasy movie. And again, if it's going to be your first movie in a series like that, I feel like it needs to go all out. I feel like it needs to be obnoxious with, here's your Final Fantasy movie. So just, just a quick counterpoint to that. I see where you're coming from, and I don't disagree about Final Fantasy. Probably should have focused more on its legacy. However, at the time, you know, let's let's take a step back at 2001. Final Fantasy VII was really the first major success that Square had had in the Western world. And this was a Western-made movie, right? Well, it was definitely made with, you know, Western audiences in mind. So I can see why 2001 Square would think, you know what? We need to make this movie based around what the Western world is interested in. And to them, it probably didn't seem like we were that interested in the legacy of Final Fantasy because we hadn't really bought into it until Final Fantasy VII. So it, I, I think it's easier for us today to look at this movie and say, oh, man, they should have focused on all this legacy stuff instead of what Final Fantasy was at the time. But if we put ourselves in their shoes, I can see why they may have been banking on, you know, if we if we focus more on the science fiction, if we focus more on a story similar to Seven we may be more successful with this movie than if we do a high fantasy with chocobos and stuff like this. Now, I'm not saying it was the right or wrong call. I'm just saying I can see why they probably leaned that direction as opposed to the other. Yeah, and to elaborate my point on that, I can see where their inspiration came from that. I don't think it was well done, and I don't think it was the spearhead of the project. Again, I, I my theory, you know, tinfoil hat, I don't think this movie started off as a Final Fantasy movie. I It doesn't strike me in any way, shape, or form as that. Um, they may start making some very clever connections to Seven um, through the meteor and everything else. But I don't see how, I just, I don't see how this is a Final Fantasy movie in the slightest. I'll leave it at I'll leave it at I'm that. pretty sure it, it started as a Final Fantasy project. Like I don't I don't think that's actually what happened is that they just slapped it on but I don't see what happened then because I this, this is just baffling. I mean, honestly, I this is coming from an era of video game movies that are very garbage. You know what I mean? Like the I you, just like you hear horror stories of video game movies from this era like I don't remember when the Super Mario Bros. movie came out. Um, probably not around then. I didn't see Mortal Kombat, but a lot of people don't really like it. Oh, I actually love Mortal Kombat. Are you kidding me? Well, maybe maybe I'm wrong about that then. Now, but people hate the street- second one, Annihilation, but I loved the first one. The Street Fighter movies? I liked those too. <laughs> <laughs> people. Uh, Mario, <laughs> by the way, came out in 1993. So that's there's a there's a lot of... Well, they had a lot to learn from then. Well, let me tell you, okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Take Final Fantasy out of the title. What do you think of the movie? That was my next point. That was my next point. Um, I don't, I think if 
See, a lot of my problem with this movie is drawing comparisons to Final Fantasy because there are hardly any. There are hardly any. I mean, you have Sid and Gaia, and you can say that the story was inspired by Seven, but we don't even have written proof that that's true. So I'm not going to wow. count. It's it's pretty obvious. I it's think, pretty. Ar- sure. I think so too. But I, there's no proof, so you can't really count that. This is not a Final Fantasy movie. So going in with the name Final Fantasy, this movie's horrible because it has nothing to do with the source material. But if this movie had been called Spirits Within, I think this is a okay movie on its own merits. But it's just like it's it's kind of like if I were to um watch a finally like say for instance a Kingdom Hearts movie came out and you start watching it and randomly Sora's traveling around with Puss in Boots and Donkey and it's set in DreamWorks sit randomly instead of Disney, you know, <laughs> like that could still like, be fun. <laughs> oh, it would definitely still be fun, but. It'd be a big question mark, which is why when you said, do you like this movie? Yes or no. I wanted to say this is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Okay, so I I see your points. And, you know, I I also think the connection to Final Fantasy as a whole isn't really there, but it doesn't bother me. Like on the surface, and I'll, I'll be honest, when I saw this movie years ago, I liked it. When I saw it last week, you know, when we watched it for this review, I actually liked it even better. So, I mean, it's not like my favorite movie on the planet, but I, I do enjoy this movie. And the fact that it's Final Fantasy in the title doesn't bother me as much as it seems to bother you. I, I do think that they probably made it a Final Fantasy movie because it you immediately tap into a, a base for this movie that you wouldn't have otherwise. I, I don't think it started out as a different movie and they slapped the word Final Fantasy on it. What I think happened was they made it Final Fantasy they made the movie they wanted to make, and they knew that by having Final Fantasy in the title was going to get people in the seats that may have overlooked it otherwise. And it it, it doesn't bother me. I, I know that the, the connections are loose, but there were enough there. And because of how much I love both 7 and 8, I also think that helps me to overlook some of that because for, for everything that I don't see in the movie, I see other things that make me go, oh, yeah, okay. This makes me feel like I'm in Midgar or, oh, dude, those guys look like Galbadia soldiers for sure. So I'm able to I'm able to kind of look past it and just kind of enjoy the movie. Now, the one thing I found distracting was Alec Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) I did not realize that's who that was, you know, back in 2001. However, now, as as I watched it, the second he started talking, I was like, that's Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is in this movie. Did you notice that James Wood was in it too? And like Steve Buscemi. There's all sorts of people in this movie. <laughs> There's some big names. Um, yeah, and then uh, Ming-Na Wen. She is, I think, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is that the show that she was in? Now, who's um, is that? Uh, she, yeah, she's she's from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Who does she voice? Um, she, she also voices Mulan. She's the voice of Mulan. She voices Aki Rost, the, the oh, main character. God, okay. I mean, there there's a lot of big actors in this, especially for the time. Oh, and Donald Sutherland. That was that was Sid. So when I oh, was kind of oh, so who's Donald Sutherland? I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I got to get this point off. Have you seen um, the Hunger Games? Uh, once. Okay, well, he plays the president in that. I was just trying to pick something I thought you would have seen. He's he's in a lot of stuff. Like I'm not I'm not trying to say Donald Sutherland's just from The Hunger Games. I just was trying to pick something I thought you might know. 
I don't think that man should be allowed to voice act. <laughs> oh my God. I thought Sid was the best one. Really? He was terrible. He was easily the worst voice. Him and Aki were very bad voice actors. You're, you're were- telling me, hold on. You're going on record as saying that Donald Sutherland and the lady who voices Mulan <laughs> are the two worst actors in this movie. I had no idea who they were going in. And I'm kind of surprised to figure out that they're such high profile because I thought they were like nobodies because they did so bad in this movie. See, I but thought I Alec Baldwin was the worst. I know Alec Baldwin and James Woods were easily the best. I, I did feel like Alec Baldwin sometimes his character sucked. I mean, he was a, he was an absolute dick. But... Yeah, okay. You and I are going to disagree a lot on this, I think. But I, I think that I felt like Alec Baldwin sometimes didn't put the emotion in his voice that he needed to. I thought Sid was the best. I thought Sid had the best, the oh best voice God. acting. Well, it's Donald Sutherland. I think you had earplugs in, man, because I visibly, you can go back to the stream. I visibly cringed whenever, every time Sid talked and Aki sounded like a robot. Like she had, she did not have the right voice inflection half the time for the situation going on. Wow. Like, at all. It was, and you know, Alec Baldwin, uh, James Wood was the best voice actor in the whole movie. Hands who, did he, who did he, he voice? Was the, he was the general, the evil guy. I'm pretty sure. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, he was. He was the. He was the highlight. I mean, the character. Yeah, sucked. he was good. But before we talk about any other character, I have this written down to mention. The one takeaway I can take from this movie is that the best part is Neil. You know, Neil? that that yeah yeah that's uh that's Steve Buscemi. Someone went straight to the Bronx and just got this guy. For this movie, and every time he talked, I had to pause the movie and go, hey, I'm walking in. All of these people, you know, it's just funny. You didn't look up any of these actors, did you? I did. I did. I don't, I'm horrible with actors. I saw their names and their faces. I said, I don't know who you are, but Alec Baldwin, because he's from 30 Rock. Okay, so Steve Buscemi. And James you, Wood. You, you, know, <laughs> you know Steve Buscemi. He's been in a lot of stuff. Let's see what I think uh, you would have seen him in. Uh, do you know? Oh, yeah, you've seen Mr. Deeds, right? Of course, like a he's, the, times. he's the crazy eyed guy from okay, Mr. yeah. Um, he, was, he was easily the best part of the movie for me. He was so out of place that it cracked me up every time he opened his mouth. And I think this goes back to all of, you know, this is this has been a theme since we started this podcast. I, I don't hate Neil, by the way, I'm not saying that I like Neil, but this just highlights that tendency you have to just pick the the goofiest characters and they are always your favorite you know i mean i don't i don't like him for any good merits i kind of think he's really stupid and out of place for the movie but he cracked me up so much because his voice was just so over the top and hilarious and he just always was just had the right thing to say in the situation it was so funny like the scene where he couldn't shut up and he's like, hey, will you shut up? I'm trying to work here. <laughs> the oh. lady wasn't even talking back. I was like, Towards the end. yeah, that was funny. Idiot. He was the comic relief of the movie. I like I like Neil as well. But, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to X that off. Wow. I do think it's a hot take to call Donald Sutherland the worst actor in this movie, though. So we'll uh... Uh, No, OK, I need to rephrase <laughs> because I didn't know who I was talking about. I don't think he is the worst actor, period. I thought he did a horrible job in this movie. And even he, when I was watching this with my friend, my friend Devin, he agreed with me, but we both agreed that. So I have voice acting in general in here. I thought the voice acting overall was really bad in this movie. Just 
It was okay. very, it was very four kids Saturday morning cartoon Sonic X dub stuff. I like, think that you're stretching that for okay. dramatic purposes, but no, I, I, it's what it reminded me of. It wasn't, it wasn't as dramatic, but it was a lot of. We need to find the seventh spirit. Really bad. And you know, Aki's sitting there dying, and Sid's not showing any emotion. He's going, she is dying. And Alec Baldwin's actually freaking out like a good boy. <laughs> but Sid's sitting there like, you are the only one who can save her. I know. And I'm like, God, dude, show a little bit of emotion. And it, I, it, I just, oh my gosh, I, Sid killed me the whole movie. He was my least. He's, I, I don't think he's a bad character, but that voice, absolutely. It was the biggest nails on a chalkboard for me because I was like, oh, my God. And Aki wasn't a terrible voice actress. Now that you say Mulan, I can definitely hear Mulan in her voice, but that doesn't that doesn't fit that character, I don't think. So I, I think that, you know, the scenes when it was just when it was just Ming-Na and um, Donald Sutherland having a conversation between Sid and Aki, that was some of what I thought was the best acting in the movie. There were a lot of times to where I felt like Alec Baldwin's delivery of certain lines was kind of awkward or clunky. See, that's how I feel about the entirety of Sid's lines. Really? That's interesting. I I felt like his seemed more like an actual person talking. And I, I got the feeling that Alec Baldwin was more uncomfortable doing the type of role that he was being asked to do. Interesting. That that's an interesting take. Let's segue a little bit into what you thought about the visuals. So, you know what the movie itself, how do you think that it looked? The further away things were, I'm kind of baffled that it was a 2001 movie um, because it looked so good. Like when they showed shots of the planet, I was like, this looks like an actual satellite image. Like it looks fantastic. It was beautiful. I put that on the list. Looks great. But animation. uh, So when I was watching this with my friend, um, I thought the models looked great for the time. And that's what I'm going to say is for the time a lot. Because you can't really judge this movie holding up to today's standards. That's not fair. Yeah, of course not. Um, but, you know, I thought this still looks pretty decent. I thought the movement was a little weightless. It looked real, a little awkward when people moved. Yeah. But then again, it, it's a project of the time. But he said, there's something off about the talking. And I, was, I didn't notice it, so I watched closely. And the mouth matches up with the movements. Um, perfectly. Um, the movements. The mouth matches up with the words really well. And then I looked closer, and the awkward thing about it is that when there is hardly any emotion shown on anyone's face in the movie, like there yeah. was a scene where Aki was starting to tear up, and she didn't change expression at all, and it was just really awkward for me. And that was the thing is that the movement worked really well, but outside of the mouth region, their faces never moved. It was like a model the whole time pretty blaring that kind of lines up with what i thought i mean especially for the time like i i think that back in 2001 this movie looks pretty good and to be honest i think the movie still looks okay like it, it didn't it hasn't aged perfectly uh it's aged much better than some of the other computer animated movies from the era i think if you say anything ill about the donkey kong country show i'm hanging up this call I wasn't going to say that. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about Donkey Kong Country. I haven't thought about that in a little while. Although I do remember liking that show when I was young. 
<laughs> anyway, yeah, I agree. The The movements seemed a little strange. Um, they just didn't seem fluid. They seemed kind of clunky. And I also noticed the lack of emotion in the faces. And I think that's another reason that I didn't, that I had trouble with Alec Baldwin's character is because there were times when his emotion in his voice wouldn't match his face. And, you know, it took, it took me out of the movie a little bit, but once I was kind of able to look past it, I could get back into the narrative. But yeah, I just chalked that up to being mainly a product of its time. I mean, this was, this was early. I mean, when, when you start talking about like making these fully computer animated movies, this was, it wasn't the first one, but it was it was pretty early in this. I mean, we, we weren't to where we're making Frozen and Tangled and Zootopia and stuff like that yet. So I was impressed with what they did, but I do agree with you that things did feel a little... Uh, it, it was almost like mannequins, especially with yeah. the facial expressions, not really... Yeah, it was, it was really bad overall, every character with that regard. It was just... It was really distracting for me after a while. And I had the same problem with the that new Final Fantasy fifteen movie we watched. Um, I actually thought that did a little bit better. But I, I, you know, while we're on the topic, I think that I think that we should review all three of the big ones eventually. So this one, the Final Fantasy fifteen, and seven uh, Advent Children. So I think that I, we should. I would like to do Advent Children next because I haven't seen that movie in a very long time. Speaking of this, uh, just a fun fact. I know that people like to universally pan this movie, but when I was just loading it up on our Google Play account, it actually has the highest Rotten Tomato score out of all three of the movies we just mentioned. You see, you you mentioned that people universally pan this movie, but when I was looking it up, I think no one talks about it. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I couldn't find anything. I think everybody forgot this movie exists. Well, so it is an old movie. Talking about in our thing but and i don't really put any stock into into rotten tomatoes i have i just don't really buy into their whole thing i just like to watch movies and judge them for myself i just found it interesting that this one was rated higher than even advent children so just thought that was kind of something i would throw out there yeah that's that's weird but yeah i don't i wouldn't trust rotten tomatoes for nothing they are what was the what was some of the other things that you put on your you're okay. talking. So I put a feel. Let me get rid of Gaia animation we just talked about. Okay, I did put Earth question mark question mark question mark question mark. I don't like it was set on Earth. That's a personal preference. Um, you know, it is Final Fantasy. Even if it's not a fantasy, I feel like would fit better if it was on a fantasy planet. Well, I mean, Lord of the Rings, the King of Fantasy, takes place in Middle Earth. Okay, so. and everybody loves Lord of the Rings, but me. So. Well, and Final Fantasy VIII takes place on Earth. That's the only thing they call it is Earth. Yeah, but they don't go to New York. That that was a little immersion breaking for me. So I have two things here that uh, I that doesn't don't break my immersion at all. I mean, because ninety nine percent of movies take place on Earth, so I just chalk yeah, that up. Yeah, but to, not ninety nine percent of Final Fantasy movies. Well, thirty three percent of them do. Yeah. That's weird <laughs> um. So I have two things here. I don't know if they're plot holes or not, but it was just things that kind of confused me. So they said they needed to get eight spirits. How do they know that? Do they know that? Sid has some way of tracking that there are specifically eight spirits, or did they ever mention that there was a way they knew that there was eight spirits specifically? 
I think there was just that's how many he calculated he needed to produce the waveform that offset the phantoms. So I think it could have been any number. I just think that he he needed. It, it didn't really specifically say, "Oh, this is how I figured out we need eight. But I just took it to mean, you know, once he did his calculations, it would require eight specific frequencies in order to get exactly what he was looking for. Okay. And another thing, and this was the dumbest part of the movie to me, but Aki recording her dreams. Uh, how? <laughs> it takes place in the future. I mean, a lot of science fiction has stuff like that. Yeah, but how do you brush by something like that without explaining how? <laughs> I mean, they live in I, Barrier City. I mean, it's just it's just a fun that not a Final Fantasy trope. That's just a like science fiction. Trope. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, James Wood comes out going, "We've recorded her dreams," and I'm thinking, huh? "Okay, so so <laughs> that I mean, with with something like that, have you ever seen the movie Inception? No." So I mean, you would you don't you would hate that movie because it's all about entering into other people's dreams and. Well, I know. I do they explain how they do it? Uh, I don't really remember honestly. Well, they probably but do. I'm not saying I hate the concept of recording dreams. I think it's cool, but it's like it just came out of nowhere. It was just a convenient plot point to have like something against Aki and such. But I was like, oh, oh, oh hell! Oh, again, it's it's just science fiction. And I mean, think about it. It's science fiction. Uh, dreams are just images that your brain thinks of. I mean, in this world, they are able to track souls of plants. They are able to, you know, read a, uh, energy signature from halfway across the world. I th- I find it believable that they could record brainwaves. I mean, we can already monitor brainwaves today. I mean, all they're doing is monitoring those brainwaves and actually interpreting them into the images that the person's seeing. So I don't think that's that far-fetched. And it's not the first time something like that's been done in science fiction. So that didn't bother me. I will say it did seem like a a plot point to just, you know, aha, we have the proof against Aki. So I do see, I, I do see your point there. I don't think it needed much more explanation on how they did it, though. I do. I, I just stupid that they just brush by something that weird. No, I mean, it, it comes on with her doing that. Like that is the first scene. It shows her doing it. It shows her making the recording. So it's not like they just bring it up at the end. Like, oh, she's been recording her dreams. That's what she's doing I when the movie comes out. that at all. <laughs> she like the, the movie opens with her the dreaming. Then she wakes up and she's in space and she's like saving it and saying like, dream recorded or something like that. That's literally what she's doing the first oh, five minutes. I didn't of this remember movie. that. I didn't remember that. So that's why I was thinking like, what do you mean? It doesn't need that much more. I, I don't need a scientific dissertation on how this works. They established it in the beginning and it paid off towards the end. So that was enough for me. What's some of your other points? Well, that the list is clear. Um, but the plot, I got a few things I can remember. Um, I, you know, I did think the plot was very interesting. Um, there was a point towards the end where the Gaia thing started happening and she was just like, it called to me. It came to me and the movie started losing me. I was like, I don't really know what's going on. Um, I, you know, there was a scene where she was talking to Sid and then I literally blinked and then she was like asleep in the cargo ship when she was standing up outside of it, literally a blink ago. I don't know what happened. I don't know if they got the scenes mixed 
up. Are you the talking end, about the very end. when they complete the waveform? Yes. So basically what happens is they are down there near Gaia and they're hoping to create the eighth spirit. And the eighth spirit is going to be created by a soul leaving Gaia to re- become a new person and coming in contact with one of the phantoms. So that eighth spirit is a blend of like a Gaia spirit I know that. a phantom spirit. So she passes out because the phantom that's inside of her is starting to breach its containment. So basically she's dying. Okay, that's not my that's not my issue. But, that's not my well, issue. Here well here. Let me just finish this. That might answer your question. I don't know. What I think happened was the Gaia spirit kind of came in contact with the phantom that was inside of her, therefore turning it into the eighth spirit already inside of her. And that's when she has that dream where she's talking to the phantom and Gaia and all that. My issue with the whole scene delivery is that she's talking, she's outside of the cargo ship thing, talking to Sid. It goes to Sid, comes back, and she's back in the cargo ship, passed out. And I swear, I thought I hallucinated for a few minutes and just blacked out. I was like, did I miss something? I rewound it, and I was like, did they place the scenes out of order? Is there a scene they forgot to put in that shows her stumbling back to the ship and passing out? Because I thought, what the heck is happening? How did she get back there? <laughs> I don't remember. I, I don't remember being confused by that. Um, again, I little little things like that don't bother me. Like, I mean, she was right outside the ship and then she was inside it. You know, I can just assume that whenever it cut to Sid or whatever, maybe she went back in. So that stuff, I know it bothers some people. It doesn't bother me. I don't remember being like confused. And I thought there was a scene where she runs back into the escape pod because she's trying to set something up. Nah, but I don't I, that. Like I said, that's such that's such a minute detail to me that I wouldn't have even committed it to memory. Like I wouldn't have committed. Oh, she went back in that ship. <laughs> It's a minute detail that threw off all of my understanding completely of what's going on. And Whether I was, she had I, passed out outside the ship or inside the ship, that wouldn't have changed what happened there. No, it's just it, it just confused me, and I, I was just thrown off, and I was just kind of blurry-eyed for the rest of the movie because I felt like I, I, you know, it made me feel like I was hallucinating. I was like, what the heck is going on? And, you know... You say Alec Baldwin's your least favorite part of the movie. I thought he was the second best no, actor. I didn't in the say movie. he was the, my least favorite. Oh, the character just, sucks. The character, his character is awful. He's a total Chad, bro. I disagree. I liked his character, and I don't hate Alec Baldwin as as the voice actor. I just didn't think he was the strongest voice actor. I actually like the character that he plays, Gray. So what what don't you like about Gray particularly? Well, it's just that scene where she's telling him about the eight spirits, and he's just filling her up and trying to make his move and then blah 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 and he's always like we're not going in there that's a one-way trip we're gonna die we're gonna die no we're not doing that and i was like dude i believe now so why won't you i was oh my gosh he just annoyed me well you gotta remember he didn't believe it so they're asking him to do this suicide mission and he's like dumb she's telling him that and he's just like i don't care bang me right here and i was like Bro, chill, man. Man. <laughs> okay, I, I don't mean to bring this up. I don't. I really don't. And I'm not trying to start a okay, fight. Okay, no, we're not we're not talking about we're not talking about nine or eight. 
it cracks me up though that you say that because that's the same thing I, I feel about Zidane sometimes in the beginning to where things are serious and he's just like, Hey, you want to flirt? And I'm like, Ugh. it's just funny. It's just funny to me that, th- that you say that. Yeah. But he doesn't but, do it in such a dickish way. Like Alec Baldwin did. I thought Alec Baldwin was pretty, what's his name? Gray. <laughs> we should use yeah. his character. I, I thought he was pretty good in this movie. I didn't think he was like, I, I didn't think he was overly pushy or anything like that. I, I thought he came across as, reserved non-believing but i really felt that he did love aki like i i felt that he cared for her i just i don't know i guess i've gotten older and i just don't really care for characters like i used to because i didn't like aki that much i didn't like i didn't like the characters in this movie i'm not gonna lie i liked neil because he was so stupid but i can't even say he was a good character I didn't really like anybody. <laughs> wow. So I, I did like Aki and Gray and Sid. Like, I liked the three core. And, you know, I didn't hate anybody. Um, and, you know, actually, while we're on the topic of characters, I actually thought the villain in this movie was pretty good. Like, I could yeah, see yeah, I his motivations. I, he wasn't just mustache twirling. He got a little bit towards the end, I guess. But I saw where he was coming from. He was a military man. They had a military solution. He he did not buy into because the whole Gaia theory was unproven to all these people. I I could see why he was pushing so hard to do what he was doing, and that's that's the kind of villains that you want. Villains that you can see their motivation, you understand, and if you take just a one step back and look at it from their perspective, things make a little bit of sense. So I thought I thought they did good with the villain. Yeah, it, he was he was pretty good. I will say when he first popped up, I like paused the movie and I was like. Hey, I'll give you fifty dollars if you can spot the bad guy in the room because it's it's the dude with the giant evil eyebrows and <laughs> he the does have evil coat. Look, yeah. He, uh, but I thought you know his voice acting was the best. It's James Wood. I mean, it was he was a, he was very good. I, I was very excited to see Alec Baldwin and James Wood in this movie. Um, I can tell. <laughs> I was. I, I I don't know. I don't even remember his name. It's James Wood. I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good too. I mean, I was happy when he died. Because I mean, I feel like I feel like the bad guy's a good bad guy if you're happy when they die. Yeah, yeah. I I just thought that he he did good, uh, especially just making me believe the actions he was taking. Like I believed why he was so. And then towards the end, when when you know they contact him and say, "Look, we're here. You've got to stop." And then he decided to just keep shooting, even after the scientists were like, "Look, dude, you're overheating this thing." That's when he kind of slipped into the mustache twirling. But at his core, he was trying to save people. Like, that's what he was doing. And even he even shows remorse in the movie. So when he when he lowers the barrier to let the phantoms into a specific section of New York, you know, in order to basically scare everybody into taking action, that's an evil thing to do. But yeah. then when they find out that they can travel through the, the sewer systems or something like that, or the energy tubes he he even looks down at all of the all of the destruction he's wrought and says what have i done like he he shows remorse to show that he's not just a straight up evil ah, ha, 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 ha. and i like that i like that it gives some humanity to the villain even while they're doing their evil deeds because it just makes i think for a better villain yeah i thought he was a good villain i and actually he was, i thought he was the best part of the movie they they you know f- some other Final Fantasy games could 
take notes from how to do a villain because some of them some of them are flat. I mean, especially in the earlier ones, but that also kind of harkens back to you know the the lack of great storytelling. Well, you say that, but you haven't played four yet. Well, I said some of the older ones. Like not, I know that I know that four and six really, really started doing better character development. But one, five, I don't really know about two. I've heard three though doesn't really give a lot of character development either. Not at all. Anyway, I just I just think that that's a good way to do a villain. And I thought um, General Hine, that's his name. I just thought he was a a good antagonist for this movie. That was the strongest point of the movie to me. Was the antagonist. Um, the 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 goofy trio, I uh, don't remember any of their names. I know Neil was in it. They they were pretty cool. Um, they died way too quick. Um, that's another thing. Everybody died. Everybody died. I thought at least Alec would make it out. Aki and Sid, they made it out. Yeah, they made it out, but dad gone it. I only I wanted Alec Baldwin to live. <laughs> I think I think the way Gray died though was good. Like he sacrificed himself to complete their mission. He went from being a non-believer to giving his life for this cause, and I just think that makes for a good hero's story. Mm-hmm. It was sad, and I remember the first time I watched it, just was super disappointed that he died. Watching it again though, I was like, I, I can see this. You know, even looking at his journey from just not believing any of this. To at the very end, he when he looks at her and he says, you know, you've been telling me this whole time, death is not the end. I finally believe. Let me do this. I liked that. I had goosebumps. And then he went, I love you. And there's, I guess it's just something about me being on the internet now that made me feel like I was sitting back being a neckbeard. And I went, oh, quite cliche of you, Gray. And even I like smacked myself. I was like, come on. That was sweet. They've been building up. I was like, come on, you cynical asshole. That was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that might be the internet because just as as someone who's married, if if I could if I had one last oh, thing to say to my as wife who's not a, a lonely no, piece just of listen, crap. listen, let me say this. If I had like one last thing to say to my wife at that time, I would tell her I loved her. I mean, no matter how cliche it is, that's what I would say or something along those lines. I'm not going to go for some cool, put your sunglasses on. And I actually, and I know how the internet reacts to these things. And it's just what you said. Oh, that's cliche. I thought that was human. I love that, that he in that moment was giving his life and just wanted her to know before he died how he felt because he hadn't said it the whole movie. Like it had been kind of there unspoken, but I like that. And whether it's cliche or not, sure, I, I don't care. I think that stuff like that is a human emotion, and and it it made me like their characters better. And that wasn't a shot. I was just saying from my perspective of where I am in my life. I wasn't well, taking I, a <laughs> taking a dig at you. Sure thing, whatever. There'll be plenty of times for digs, and my digs are much more direct. As somebody who is married, so you wouldn't understand. As somebody who's married, <laughs> All right, I didn't say any of that. <laughs> but uh, um, I was actually when he died and they were coming up from underground. I was like, "So, how do you think they're going to bring him back?" And they showed a zoom on on him. I was like, "Yep, he's about to just wake up, isn't he?" And then movies went off. And I just get to the end of the credits, like, "There's something after, isn't there?" 
I was honestly surprised to see that they left him dead. I'm glad they did, actually, because whenever they bring people back like right away like that, it really undercuts the sacrifice. And I'm, I'm glad they left him dead because otherwise I would have been disappointed with the ending. Yeah, it was it was interesting of all the characters to make it out. See, I, I halfway through the movie, I was like, Sid's evil, but he wasn't, he wasn't <laughs> being evil. I thought he was going to end up. Being well, it was evil. the two smartest characters who had who had been in on what was going on the whole time that made it out. I liked that, at least. Yeah, for sure. Well, and there's still the council. There's still some people from New York that made it out. But one more thing I wanted to mention about the ending is I did love the 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 symmetry they did with earlier in the movie when the hawk comes back. Because uh-huh. earlier in the movie, they see the hawk and they say, like, what is it doing all the way out here? And I think somebody says, you know, it's just what looking for looking for signs of life. And then I liked at the end, she sees that hawk and the movie cuts away from characters at that point. And then as the credits start rolling, it's just this hawk flying out over the land looking for life that will now begin to sprout back. And I just actually thought that that was a really nice cinematic moment. It was nice. I liked it too. I liked it too. Um, But yeah, I don't know how much more I can say about the movie. But you think we've covered pretty much all of it, really. There were things I liked. There were more things I didn't like than things I did like, um, honestly. So I, the way I explained it, as I said, it's one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. And I don't think I'll ever watch it again, unless I, for a purpose like this, maybe. But I just, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't think it's a Final Fantasy movie in the slightest. And I think if they had dropped the Final Fantasy moniker, I would enjoy it more, which is weird to say because I tried to watch this without... The, the problem is, is that I just watched it trying to look for Final, Signs of Final Fantasy too much. And I didn't really look at the movie as it was presenting itself until I was done and I looked back and kind of did that. And I thought, you know, it's not that bad of a movie, but it's not a good movie at the same time. Um, the animation's not aged well. Which isn't, for the time, I thought it was pretty spectacular. But it's not aged well. Which, But it's not aged so bad that it hinders watching it, To my, in my opinion. I think it still looks looks appealing. It's just, you know, we're spoiled nowadays. So we can point out a few things that look a little weird. Overall, it's just, it's a movie that's bizarre. In its presentation, okay. in its the plot... I don't think it's executed perfectly, but I think it's good on paper. I think it's a good premise. Um, one thing I will say, and this might be a little weird, um, you might not understand, because I don't know if I'll be able to explain it very well. This feels like a video game plot crammed into a movie. And I think the reason the plot doesn't work so well for me is that it's so, like, it seems so elaborate that this plot probably would have been better if it was spaced out over, like, a 60-hour video game rather than an hour, 40-minute movie. And does that make any sense to you? Uh, I don't agree with it, but it makes sense. And I'll, I'll get like, to it in a minute. It's like they, they start the movie, and they're going for the seventh spirit. Well, and I still didn't really understand the eight spirits things. And um, they did a good job at slowing down and explaining the lore behind the planet, what's going on and everything and all. It's just, it feels like one of those kind of stories that could have benefited from more details, 
but could not have had the more details because it was a movie and not a video game, and they don't have enough time to go into depth. And, you know, I talk about Neil being great, but I didn't really care about those three because I hardly knew them. Neil was the only one that really stood out because he was just so funny and the one who yeah, wants to talk more. But the girl, oh, she did nothing but make snarky remarks at the guys. So when they died, I didn't care about them. I was like, okay. I mean, I made a big reaction when Neil died on stream, but I was like, okay. But when Alec died, it was a little more, a little more heartfelt because you, you'd gotten to know him. And I think that could have benefited from, you know, maybe even being like a short series or something. Um, but it's, it's just, I don't know. Uh, the, okay. plot, the plot execution just wasn't there for me. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, I, I think I'm on the other side of the camp, not like strongly disagree with everything you say, but I actually enjoy this movie. I will probably watch this movie again because as I was rewatching it, a, I was surprised how much I remembered from when I saw it before, <clears throat> but B, I, I'd forgotten how much I kind of like it. I will, you know, I will say that the final fantasy connections aren't there as far as when you look at what overall usually associate with final fantasy, but I won't go so far as to say that this doesn't deserve the title final fantasy. I think that it was made in the same vein as, as especially the final fantasies of the time. So whether or not they should have leaned more heavily into it, and I think they should have, but I don't think that it deserves to be stripped to Final Fantasy as the title. And, and actually, the characters are the Final Fantasy of that world, which is kind of funny, I guess. And maybe that's what they were going for. But yeah, I'll yeah, agree with you for that. And they're like, wait a minute, is there a game called Final Fantasy 2? <laughs> <laughs> I'll agree. You know, the the I thought the movie still looked fine. Like, it didn't look great, but it didn't look bad either. I thought it looked fine. And if you don't stare too close at, like, the faces, then, you know, it wasn't that bad. But, yeah, it's definitely not aged as well as some other movies have, but it's also aged better than a lot of other movies from the time as well. You've got a good point about some of the side characters. They they weren't as developed as they could have been. I don't know if I needed them to be more developed, especially with the fact that they were going to be killed off especially since since Gray does end up dying in the end of this movie. That's kind of your emotional punch. I still felt something, especially when Neil and the lady died, because that scene itself, you know, especially when you just watch her kind of accept her fate and turn her, her transmitter off, that got to me a little bit. Uh, but other than that, yeah, th- they weren't as developed. I thought the plot execution was fine, though. Like, I wasn't really confused. I understood where they were going what had happened you know aki kind of lays out what the first six spirits were i don't necessarily need to see them gather that um especially like the little girl that that could have been a very emotional moment especially if this was in a game and a longer form of storytelling but for a movie i I wasn't confused so i i was able to follow it fine you know whether there's some things that maybe weren't explained sure but there wasn't anything that was so not explained to where I was confused, if that makes sense. So I, I think it works as just an hour and 40 minute movie. Although while I was watching it, I did think to myself, this would have been a fun world to play in. This would have been a cool game, especially if you take it into today's Final Fantasy kind of style with an action oriented vibe instead of the more traditional turn based. This could have been a fun game. 
I mean, it really could have. With the the premises are there. Um, it could have been something like Final Fantasy 15, where if you have to go between barrier cities, that could be like driving your car at night where you just never know what's going to happen. So, you know, that would have worked. But as a movie, too, I, I think that it works just fine. But yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to say about it either. I mean, it sounds it sounds like you didn't hate it, but you are on the side of not really liking it. And yeah, I thought, um, you know, one more comment on the execution. Um I'm not, I'm not saying that I thought it was executed back because I was confused. The only thing that caused confusion was just like poor scene direction. Um, I understood the plot. It's just you know it feels like I it feels like part of it was spark notes if that makes any sense. Like it was just saying, hey, here's what happened. And well, I mean, it's called a history lesson. A lot of movies do it just because of the time constraint. So yeah, yeah I, I get your point, and especially if you're comparing it to where these normally come from, these big games that kind of dive into everything, sure. But just as a movie, it's like a lot of movies just have like a history lesson where they're like, let's set some stuff up by just giving you some exposition. So yeah, I see both sides. Uh, that's just, uh, that's always bothered me. I'm not really the biggest fan of movies in general because of that, I don't think. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's when someone's sitting there explaining something to me, I'm much more likely to get uninterested. And there were parts of this movie when I would like accidentally find myself playing on Twitter instead of watching it because I was just getting bored. And I think that's an issue with the movie. See, is that, I, I stayed in game the entire time. So if you had to give this a ranking from one to ten stars, what would yours be? Um, I'd probably put this at a seven, actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I I like the movie. Like I I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> what is it you said a couple episodes ago? You know I like this, and I'm tired of pretending that I don't. Yeah, I was like fifteen. It. I was talking about <laughs> maybe. I, I would put it between a six and a seven. Uh, seven for just overall enjoyment of the movie. But if I factor in kind of everything, if I look at the the animation and stuff too, it probably drops it down to around a six. But well, that's so let's go with six and a half to seven. I was thinking about five to five and a half. Okay. Um, because there were enjoyable parts. I'm not going to act like I didn't like laugh or think, Ooh, that was kind of cool. I did like how, you know, the movie started off with a dream and I was like, okay, what the heck's going on? And then when, um, gray was in the dream with her and it kind of explained that that was the aliens home planet. And she had the same dream of the planet blowing up. I thought that was cool. And how they tied that back in. And kind of explain yeah, that. I that thought was that was I thought that was really cool. So it's like, you know, I, I feel like I've been overwhelmingly negative about the movie, but there were parts I enjoyed. And as a movie on its own, I do feel like it might venture more towards good than bad. But, you know, and I, I feel like an idiot for keep bringing this up, but you can't ignore the big Final Fantasy on it because it just doesn't. It, it's just that's the biggest eyesore of the movie for me. Because I think this is a good movie, but this is a very bad Final Fantasy movie. See, I just view it as each Final Fantasy has its own different, unique flair and take on stuff. And sure, there are elements that kind of weave themselves in throughout, typically. But because each Final Fantasy is so different than the other, it doesn't bother me as much. I just view it as yet another Final Fantasy. Missing some of those tropes, yeah, of course. You can't be, you can't just brush that off though. You can't just brush off missing tropes because that's what the series is. I, I can though because not every not every Final Fantasy uses the same tropes. Well, they all 
they all have Final Fantasy tropes in them, though. That's my thing, is you can't just brush off, eh, there's no tropes. Because no matter how weird a Final Fantasy story gets, you'll still, if you'll have a Moogle. You always have Chocobos. Sure, they weren't in the very first ones, hardly. Chocobos got introduced in two. But you still have, you know, seven is drastically different from six. But you still have your Chocobo. Sure. And eight is drastically different from nine. But you still have, is there, are there Moogles in eight? There, there are not. Well, you, you still have your Chocobos. But you see what I mean. True, the same tropes are not in every movie. But everything, or movie, sorry, every game, but they still have the tropes. Sure. This has Sid, and that's it. And that's a problem. It has one or two tropes, and it's missing a vast majority. I'm not arguing that. That just doesn't bother me. Like, because I can still see how this is pulling influence from the games, it doesn't bother me as much as it does you. And, and, it's again just a difference of taste, but yes, I wouldn't have mind seeing a chocobo. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have mind seeing more tropes, but the lack of tropes doesn't bother me as much. Just because I can see, I can see where the inspirations came from. I can see the the you know Sid, and I can see the Gaia and the life the life stream. Basically, I can see where they pulled from the Final Fantasy franchise, even without those tropes. So would it have benefited from more? Yes. Does it make Final Fantasy an eyesore to me on the title of this? Absolutely not. It just doesn't well, bother me. I'm glad it doesn't bother you, but I don't see how it doesn't. I don't see how you're okay with it. Um, because with that argument, because every Final Fantasy does something different, I can slap Final Fantasy onto pretty much anything. And it could Do just it. be a different take on you Final You could Fantasy. slap Final Fantasy onto a... Uh, onto a just four guys going on a road trip. People probably buy it. I'm going to. Oh, I just slammed Final Fantasy 15. Right in yeah, face. but that that's not at all the same thing though. Oh, I know. Because I know. Final, <laughs> it has all the I'm tropes playing. in it. <laughs> I'm playing. Um, I, I just I don't care. Like I I just it's like it's like me changing re- changing the name of the first Transformers movie to Final Fantasy Transformers and changing. Um, Shia LaBeouf's name to Sid and saying, here's a Final Fantasy movie. Let me well, know what you think. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily because it's still, I look, it's missing tropes, yes, but inspiration is there. And if you just put it on something like Transformers, that the inspiration isn't there. So I, I, again, I'm not disagreeing that this could have used more tropes. It could have used more of a tie into the series, but you can't, you can't just slap Final Fantasy on any movie and still be able to make the same argument I'm making that like, there are elements of this movie that are obviously inspired by the Final Fantasy franchise. That's all I'm saying. So that's why. That, I mean, that's all I'm saying. So, for me, that's that, for me, that's not enough. And and that wasn't enough for a lot of people too, because that's some of the complaints that you see. I, I'm just saying it didn't really bother me, and I, you know, I, I ended up enjoying this movie quite a bit. So. But with that, I do think we're running a little long on this one anyway. So do you have any final thoughts, something you know that we haven't already covered or said? I think I've said my piece. Okay, well, you know, I, I don't really have anything else to round this out with except for if you haven't seen this movie, I'd say it's worth giving it a watch. At least at least try it out. If you're if you're interested in Final Fantasy. Be the judge for yourself. Watch it. See if you think it has enough tropes. See if you can kind of see the inspirations from especially seven and eight and just see what you think. It's definitely worth it. Uh, it's 
it's pretty old movie. I think you can get this Advent Children and Kingsglay for like $15 as a bundle on Google Play. I don't remember exactly how much it was, but there is a three movie bundle. So if you're looking for it, just go out and, and give it a look. I will actually uh, put a link to the show notes to where you might be able to get this if you're interested in watching it. I don't think it's streaming anywhere, so you would have to buy it. But other than that, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Another hearty discussion. One of these days, we're going to find something we agree on, and then we're just going to have an episode I, where we just sometimes talk I think, and agree on things. Sometimes I think you wait for me to talk first, just so you can make up an opinion that's just the complete opposite of mine. <laughs> no, no, that's not the case. <laughs> you just wait. Just being nice and letting you go first. Uh, well, next time you're going first. Mm, I don't think so. This is what we what we've got going works. It works. We'll just keep going. Okay. Maybe we'll think of a discussion topic we agree on next time. <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, where can we find you, Soloist? Okay, so I streamed this entire movie on uh, with my reaction and criticism on Twitch. Uh, twitch.tv slash starcallersoloist give me a follow there we're on the path to affiliate um if you follow me on stream i have a 10 follower goal right now for me to play valorant on stream and the big deal about that is i tried one game of valorant and it was so hilariously bad that i think it would make great content but i'm embarrassed to play it but if i get enough followers i'll do it so make sure to come catch me live and follow me um tuesdays thursdays and saturdays and i've been doing a lot of bonus streams lately so look out for that on youtube you can find me just at soloist and on Twitter, where you can get the inner mechanisms of my mind and how they work, you can follow me at soloist underscore TV. And that is all the places you can find me as of now. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Wolfkins. You can also follow the show at Highwind Herald. We also have a website, highwindherald.com, and we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts. So, if you want to uh, share the love, send your friend the link to our website or one of those, and then they can jive in too. So anything else, Soloist, before we take off for the, uh, for the afternoon and go watch Spirits Within again? I think that the real Spirits Within were the friends we made along the way. I think that's probably the perfect way to end it. They were with <laughs> us. They were within us all along. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one. Peace out. <laughs>